Cool. So we continue this morning with our series called Radical. Uh, just journeying and traveling through the book of Galatians. I nearly said Ephesians, but it's definitely Galatians. And uh, for those who are... Am I too loud? And turn me down a little bit. I, I, I always say to the, to the folk, I, I get a little bit louder. I promise you I'm not shouting at you. I'm just excited about the power of God's Word and what He wants to do through His truth. But if you've missed any of our previous messages, is that we are sharing out of Paul's letter, a letter that he writes to the Galatian church, to the Gauls. And we're going to continue with a series this morning. And so what Paul does in his letter, I just love the heart of Paul as he writes letters to the church as revealed in Scripture, his heart is to encourage them to remain true, to remain committed, sold out radical to the gospel that has transformed their life. And uh, he's asking them in this specific letter to radical obedience to the gospel. That's in essence what Paul writes about throughout his letter. This morning we're going to tackle this topic of the curse of conformity in Galatia to the Gauls. He references his past, his past life as a legalist, one who persecuted the church. And he had this radical encounter with Jesus, and his life was transformed through the gospel. And so this radical power of the gospel causes a radical awakening in Paul's heart, where he, he sold out, committed to the gospel, not only to know Christ, but to make Him known. So he always, that's the heart of his message, and we receive that encouragement for ourselves this morning, is to know Christ, the fullness of His power, and to demonstrate and to make known the fullness to others of this power that we have received through the gospel. And mission, let me know Jesus, and let me make Him known. And so you can turn to Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 to 16, and read with me. Paul writes to the church, and he says, Even before I was born, God chose me. This is even before Paul started to persecute the church and was resistant to Jesus, a radical legalist. Even before I was born, God chose me, called me by His marvelous grace. Then it pleased Him to reveal His Son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Then he references in the same letter a meeting that he had with Peter in Jerusalem. Goes to Jerusalem, he meets with Peter, another radical disciple of Jesus. Spends 15 days together with them. And I, I'd love to have put myself in the middle of that conversation of those 15 days that he had with, Pete, with Peter. Peter, a Jew, radically transformed, changed through the gospel. Paul, radically transformed through the power of the gospel. Can you imagine the conversations that they had? Those 15 days, just as they unpacked who Jesus was, what he had done, how he was going to use them to take this gospel to the world and let this gospel transform the world. I'm sure they spoke about their salvation. And I'm sure there was much thankfulness and gratitude to the faithfulness of Jesus. I'm sure that must have been. And so <clears throat> they have this discussion. But, but Paul writes about a time that he meets again with Peter. And the conversation it's not so cordial. And we're going to read that just now. But we see this apostolic mission being given to these two men. And uh, 
Paul writes in Galatians 2 verse 8, the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. Now it's important to understand that because there's a moment later on when Paul reconnects with Peter and he has to address him on some issues. And we read in verse 11 of the second chapter of the book of Galatians where Paul speaks about the second encounter that he has with Peter. And as I said, this meeting was less than cordial. It wasn't as friendly and wonderful as that first meeting because he has to address him about some issues. And this is what Paul writes. He says, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. It wasn't just a letter. There was this personal encounter. For what he did was very wrong. And something had happened. Something had changed from that first meeting until the second meeting. Paul goes on to say, and this is what he reveals about the change that happened in Peter's heart. Somehow, Peter had lost this commitment, this radical commitment to the gospel. Verse 12 of Galatians chapter 2. When he first arrived, he tells why he had to confront Peter. When he first arrived, that's Peter, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. So in other words, this gospel, this gospel mission to take the gospel to all people, he was living that out in a radical way. But, now whenever you read but in the scriptures, you must know there's something coming. But, afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. What happened? Something happened in that moment of that first meeting till the second meeting. I think what happened here was that Peter started to be motivated by this curse of conformity. That's the title of my message this morning, the curse of conformity. So before we begin to criticize Peter, because it's easy to sit this side of history and say, how could Peter? Shame on him. You know, we begin to judge him. My observation is that it is no different in the church today. There's a bit of Peter in all of us. We are content to live in a flip-flop culture. That's what happened here. Peter's flip-flop. Sold out for Jesus. Radical. Suddenly, he is critic- you know, he's worried about being criticized. So suddenly, the gospel isn't so radical anymore. He is now conforming to those who are legalists. They're wanting to put law on people again. And he's worried that if they see him eating with the Gentiles, preaching a different message, that he's going to be criticized and unliked. By his people. The authentic gospel is no longer the absolutes of God. And I think that's a challenge that we can face in the church today, is we have to contend for the absolute of the power of the gospel. There is only one gospel. That's what Paul highlighted. And Jared referenced that scripture in the prayer meeting. I think it was you. If it wasn't you, you get the credit. Anyway. If it wasn't you, whoever it was, you get the credit. But anyway, there is only one gospel. And Paul is saying to Peter, what happened to you? This one gospel that transformed our lives, you're letting go of it. Many people no longer live by conviction, but by conformity. German philosopher wrote these words. He says, the problem with us 
is that we forfeit three quarters of ourselves to be like other people. And that's what actually happened with Peter. He forfeited this reality of who he was called, what Jesus had done, to be like the circumcision group in that moment. And the problem there was he's afraid of them. He's afraid of this group. People who insisted upon circumcision as a necessary tradition to draw near to God. Remember, he had been set free by the power of the gospel, set free from the law, set free from tradition. Those bondages broken, free to worship Jesus. And now the circumcision group come, they want to put law back on people, and Peter embraces that law again. That's why Paul had to confront him. What was the problem? Well, he was conforming to the views of others. And the root thing of that was the fear of man. The fear of man. And this is what Paul confronts Peter about. His fear of man. Criticism from the circumcision group. Traditional legalists. What would they think about him when they saw him sharing a meal with the Gentiles? So often we can live our radical stance for the gospel. When we don't conform to the flip-flop culture that we're living amongst. The bit of Peter in all of us. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. This is what the Word says. Fearing people. Remember, Peter, fear of man. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. But trusting the Lord means safety. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. But trusting the Lord means safety. A message translation, Eugene Peterson translates it this way. He says, the fear of human opinion disables. Trusting God protects you from that. Trusting God protects you from being disabled, from conforming to the opinions of man. I can identify with that statement, with that truth. My years growing up, and I'm not ashamed to admit it, God's done a work and He is doing a work. I'm in a process of regeneration, of transformation. Nobody can say that they're fully transformed. <laughs> Amen. If you say you are, well, I want to talk to you about your pride afterwards, but anyway, that's a joke. <laughs> But I can identify that because my years growing up, and even today I've got to contend for this thing, is that I was more concerned by what people thought of me, their opinions. And so my life lived for many years, especially as a youngster at school, lived to please my teachers. So I did the very best that I could, not to honor Jesus, but to, so my teachers would look at me differently. On the sports field, I'd like strive to be the best I could be. I never was. I was a useless cricket player. <laughs> An average hockey player. And a stone when swimming. <laughs> but I lived my life just trying to please people. And so my affirmation was based on what people thought of me. And I think that was something of what was in Peter's heart, isn't it? Is that... Affirmed by others. I, get, I began smoking at school. Skanda, how could you? 
Why? Because I wanted to impress my friends. I was worried about what they would think. So fit in. I'm so sorry I did that. Because flip, it took me forever to give up. The opinions of me matter to me. Live my time. If I don't guard that, I still can. Discovered that I was living as a hypocrite, trying to be somebody that I was not created to be. It comes with incredible pressure. Experience that. It's a joyless, pressure-filled life, trying to be somebody that you're not created to be because you constantly carry this thing of guilt and self-condemnation. It's a snare. As the writer of Proverbs says, it's a snare. And the only way out of that is to trust in the Lord. What's important to me now is who Jesus thinks I am. What He says about me. Not the opinions of others. And I trust this morning you hear that. That if you've been living a life like that, if you're pursuing life like that, your freedom does not come from what others think of you. Your freedom is defined by who Jesus is to you and what He says about you. And what He wants to tell you this morning is that you are precious and valuable in His sight. Live free. Live to be the person He has created you to be, called you to be. If He's called you to be a hockey player, be a hockey player. Don't try to be a swimmer. Just using... (laughs) Don't be a rugby player because you end up... Shane, with ears like me, please don't let your sons or your daughters play lock on a rugby team. (laughs) They're going to get messed up ears. And so what the writer of Proverbs says is that our safety comes from being rooted and established, not moved from the hope and the joy and the peace and the life that comes by the gospel. Because what we believe determines how we behave. So that's why it's important in this age to have convictions. That's why the world is so mixed up. And sometimes that's why the church is so mixed up. Because there are no convictions. People don't hold to convictions anymore. They flip-flop to the latest thing. The latest wonderful theological revelation that comes. For me, the Bible has been unchanged for centuries. Its promise is secure. We don't need to change it. And if we hold fast to the absolutes of the Word of God, if we hold fast to the absolutes of the power of the Holy Spirit, there is safety in that. And something of what happened in Peter's heart is he had lost sight of that. He started to listen to the voices, the opinions of others. Live our lives like that. We are not living by conviction. Live by conviction. It is a safe place. Amen? radical, doesn't it? Because then we have to go against the flow. So this wonderful image that Ash did for us, that's not by chance it's done like that. You'll notice there are a whole bunch of fish swimming in one direction. There are a few going in the other direction. It's done like that to illustrate that we are not called to go with the flow. We are to take a stand with conviction. People of conviction, radical conviction, are the ones who will change and transform this world as we allow Jesus to work His plans and His purposes in it. Paul, I think, at times was a lone voice. He has an amazing thing. He has a man that he loved. Peter, he absolutely loved that man. 
I think he loved that man from the perspective of what Jesus had done in his heart, and he could identify with that. And yet he was not afraid to confront him because he had let go of his convictions. Now, I believe, he said face to face, and it must have been quite a, a, a stern <laughs> confrontation, but the heart of that is love. And sometimes a word like this comes, it's to confront us. So hold fast to your convictions, church. Because there is not only your life, but there are the lives of others at stake. Very interesting if you read that whole, which we don't have time to read. But Titus and Barnabas themselves were led astray by Peter's lack of conviction. Barnabas was a dear friend of Paul. And yet this friend has been led astray by another man whose convictions have been released. So it's important that we live by conviction because other people's faith, other people's lives depend on our radical obedience. Thought of that before. Your family can be influenced by your flip-flop culture. Paul writes again, Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. He says, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. So the confrontation that he has with Peter is a sober reminder of how easy it is to compromise faith. So he says, this work that the gospel has done in my life, this work that Jesus has done by the power of his truth and the work of his spirit is not without effect. That's in fact what he's saying. So this work that has brought me, this revelation that has brought me into a life with Jesus, this life that I have entered into by my confession of Him can be sustained if I hold fast to the gospel and not let go of it. Friends, don't throw away your revelation of who Jesus is and what He has done for you. Hold fast to it because it's your life. And it's not only your life, it's the life of others. Live by conviction, by conforming to the power of grace in your life. Can I maybe ask the music team to come up, please? Galatians 2 verse 20, this is how. So it's a great, Nick, I've heard all of that. How do we do that? In this crazy, mixed up, chaotic world, full of confusion, it's easy to do it. You've just got to have the willpower to live by conviction. Galatians 2 verse 20, one of my favorite scriptures. Paul writes, now remember, Paul, persecutor of the church, he's watched his friends be led astray by lack of conviction. Paul writes his words. He says, as for me, my, my old self has been crucified with Christ. Not saying is been, has been. Interesting. Has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. No longer I who live. But Christ who lives in me. He said, because Christ lives in me, I live in this earthly body. I day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, until Jesus comes back, he says, I live by trusting in the Son of God who loved possible friends to live with this conviction and it is well with your soul. There's a song. We're going to sing it now. I just want to read words to you and let, let it minister to us this morning.
where there was dead religion, now there is living faith. All of my hope and freedom are found in Jesus' name, just like Lazarus. Oh, you brought me back to life. No longer I who live, but Christ in me. For I've been born again, my heart is free. The hope of heaven before me, the grave behind. Hallelujah, you brought me back to life. When something says I'm guilty, I'll point. When the accusing fingers come, when the false teachers come, when those who try to put you back in bondage come, I'll point to the price you paid when something says I'm not worthy. I'll point to that empty grave just like Lazarus. Oh, you brought me back to life. Please stand with me. Friends, as we set our gaze upon time ahead of us, this truth, lived by this promise, where Paul himself said that I'm not trying to win the approval of people, Galatians 1 verse 10, but of God. The safest place to be. It's our safety net against the snare of conformity is to be rooted in Jesus Christ. Father, this morning, so grateful for the power of your truth, of your word that brings liberty and freedom. So thankful for the empowering work of your Holy Spirit that brings this truth to life in our hearts and in our lives. I pray for my friends and I pray for myself in this building this morning. Lord, we want to be those who don't just proclaim it, but actually demonstrate it, that we live by the conviction of the power of the gospel. This gospel that transforms, changes, liberates, gives life. Your word, which secures for us a promise of a future inheritance. No matter what comes, that we would recognize the false from the authentic. And we would pin our hopes, our hearts, and our lives to that which is influenced, motivated by that which is not of heaven. Help us in this, we pray. Holy Spirit, let's worship Him this song.